Hello there. Another Facebook Live event, a highlight of your week, I know. Uh, I'm just back from South Bend, Indiana. Uh, I was out there with a new community called South Bend City Church. Um, they're a great bunch of people, uh, very, uh, very fun. Flew into Chicago and unfortunately my luggage decided not to join me. Uh, it ended up in Rio de Janeiro. So I was uh, in the same clothes for three days. Unfortunately, I couldn't wear my gold suit that I had specially planned for the event. Um, and also, it had loads of books in it. And to be honest, selling books is one of the things that you can do at events. And so, sadly, um, it was just me and my ideas. So, there are a few people who are already joining us. Feel free to ask questions, say hi, make comments. I just thought I would uh, talk a little bit about the uh, French philosopher and mystic uh, Simone Weil. Simone Weil was born in uh, 1909 and she died at the age of 34. Uh, the reason why I'm interested actually is somebody on the Omega course uh, recommended an article, a guy called Rick, uh, and I, I was reading it and I was reminded of Weil. I've done some reading in the past but um, you know, haven't looked at her very deeply. I think we had one reading from her book uh, Waiting on God or Gravity and Grace I think maybe from the Atheism for Lent course but um, I, I started reading up on her a lot this weekend I was talking about her in South Bend a little bit so I thought I'd kind of destroyed a couple of really interesting little things uh, from her life and then uh, see if you've got any good questions before I let you go off on your Saturdays and do whatever it is that you do hey, hey Susie um, hey Donald, live during Germany versus Italy kickoff. I didn't even know. I've lost interest because Northern Ireland are out. So, you know, who cares? Uh, people can click in afterwards if they're watching the football in Europe. Hey, hey Neil, hello from PA, is that? Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I'm hearing a voice. I or Philadelphia, there is, a, there is a voice from the other room telling me my American geography. Um, okay, so Simone Weil, uh, she is a fascinating and complicated figure. Uh, she's incredibly smart, uh, very brilliant. I think at the age of 12, you know, she, she'd mastered ancient Greek. Uh, she uh, came top of her uh, year in an entrance exam with the ENS, top kind of university in Paris. Uh, she failed the first year, uh, but she came back and she came top of her class the same year that Simone de Beauvoir was um, applying. And she, uh, she came first in her year and Simone de Beauvoir came second. Um, now Simone Weil, uh, she became increasingly interested in spirituality as she grew. She grew up in, she grew up in a house that was wealthy and uh, didn't have much interest in kind of matters of faith or matters of religion. But she identified very radically with uh, the poor and the oppressed. She, um, she got very, in she actually worked with the Renault plants. Uh, she worked for over a year in a couple of car factories to know what it was like to, to work as a factory worker, to experience um, the suffering that comes from like being part of just like blue collar work. Uh, she also was part of resistance movement in France. Um, she was uh, pretty much always trying to do um, suicidal missions. Uh, she was very 
um, uh, aesthetic. Uh, you know, she ate very little. She was very frail. Um, she identified with the poor and the oppressed. She wanted to kind of do dangerous missions, almost like wanting to lose her life. And uh, she kind of had a, a conversion experience. And um, she wanted to become a Roman Catholic. First, one of the one little interesting part of her life is her relationship with Catholicism. Uh, she kind of wanted to become a Catholic, but she refused to be baptized. And uh, that's kind of interesting because uh, for her to be a Christian, to be a Catholic, was to identify with those who are the complete outsiders, those who are destroyed by the system, who are afflicted by suffering, the suffering of bureaucratic systems, the suffering of uh, war and violence. And so she actually, in one sense, identified as a Catholic precisely in her refusal to become one. And this reminds me of the film by the director Costa Gravis called Amen. Uh, that is a beautiful movie that depicts a, the, a story about a Catholic priest and a Protestant youth pastor who are um, both in Germany at the beginning of the Second World War. Uh, uh, Hitler has come to power and they, <clears throat> they realise and they find out that uh, Jewish neighbours uh, are being taken to concentration camps. And the whole film is about those two people trying to tell their respective churches what's going on. Uh, the Protestant youth pastor is trying to tell the Protestant and uh, non-denominational churches and the priest is trying to get to the Vatican and let the highest authorities know, let the Pope know what's going on. And what's interesting about the movie is at the end, the priest finally gets to the Vatican. Uh, he's able to address um, some of the bishops and he says to them we've got to do something you know the, the war is is, is going to you know, Germany's going to lose um, at this point you know we have an ability to step in and try and save as many Jewish people as possible and they're like our hands are tied there's nothing we can do and he says well what if every Catholic converted to Judaism we in the Vatican converted to Judaism and we encouraged Catholics throughout Germany to do the same. He said, they wouldn't be able to persecute us all. And there's too many of us have positions of power. Uh, it would just basically collapse the whole system. So of course, this is laughed out of court, the idea of all these Catholics becoming Jewish. But the central kind of moment of the movie is when the priest in desperation precisely does that. He puts on a Jewish star that, you know, people, the Jews had to wear in Germany to identify themselves as Jewish. Um, he kept his cassock on, he put the Jewish star over his cassock. He left the Vatican and he freely got arrested by the Nazis, put on a train and brought to a concentration camp. And what's fascinating about this is that for this priest, the way for him to remain true to his, his Catholicism, um, his Christianity, was precisely to renounce it, to identify radically with the complete outsider, to identify radically with the one who is being persecuted. And not intellectually, not drawing alongside, but actually stepping into that community, suffering alongside that community, experiencing their suffering firsthand. And this of course connects with Paul the Apostle and the very notion of conversion. 
where Paul identifies with this group of complete outsiders who are being persecuted at the time, a group called the Christians, that he's persecuting. And he identifies radically with that community, entering into their joys and entering into their suffering. There's this idea that potentially conversion is the identification with the, the oppressed, the persecuted, um, that, that that is where God is, you know, in the complete outsider. You know, so when you think about it, you go, well, what would that mean for us today? You know, to, to actually affirm our faith, does that mean in some respects denying that faith and identifying with those who are on the outside of our system? So Simone Weil, that's the one little tidbit of her life, which I think is really, really interesting theologically. But another thing that she wrote about in these uh, notes that she never intended to be published um, was on the theme of gravity and grace. And I think this is a beautiful um, uh, term, gravity and grace. In fact, if I had a tattoo, gravity and grace, I think would be a good tattoo. Uh, what, what she meant by this is gravity is the world of physical forces. Gravity is the world um, of laws, where you hit one billiard ball and it bounces another billiard ball, uh, where uh, cause and effect exist. You drop something, it falls down. But for Simone Weil, this isn't just physical stuff. This is also at the level of the emotional uh, level of the soul, that when you do violence to a person, that violence begets violence. War begets war. You know, conflict begets conflict. Hatred begets hatred. This is the natural way of things. This is gravity for Simone Weil. And it kind of is all-encompassing. That's what we know. That's, that's the universe we inhabit. Um, that's what you expect. When someone is nice to you, you'll be nice back to them. If they're nasty to you, you take that nastiness and it goes somewhere. You might turn it into yourself and it, 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 it destroys your own subjectivity, your own self, or you throw it out to somebody else and you, you destroy them. Now, Simone Weil then talks about grace and she's not talking about another world. There is the world of gravity and then there is the world of grace, right? Two different worlds. Because in philosophy, one of the problems that we're often trying to avoid is creating a two-tier universe of uh, you know, spirit and body. This, this causes all manner of problems in the history of, in the history of philosophy. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's often the shorthand for this is Cartesian dualism. Um, it causes lots of problems. But actually on the other side, um, there are equally as many problems, which is a reductive materialism, which means you reduce the infinite to the finite and all there is is matter. There is nothing that emanates from matter. There is nothing kind of more than matter, right? So these are two extremes of, that in continental philosophy, often you'll find thinkers are trying to articulate something that doesn't fall into the antinomies or the problems that arise from these two positions. And so Simone Weil in Gravity and Grace in these terms is trying to do that. She is saying that grace is not a different world Grace is what intervenes in the world of gravity. Grace is what um, suspends briefly, momentarily, those laws where violence gives rise to violence, where hatred gives rise to hatred, where war gives rise to war. 
Instead, grace is where violence is responded to with peace, uh, where, where hatred is responded to with love, where war is responded to with, with, with some sort of pacifist kind of like love. So this is grace that, that inhabits the world. And she has this kind of interesting way of saying it, that gravity pulls things down. And you know, grace can, can raise things up. But she says grace raises things up by going lower than gravity. And, um, you know, if I can understand her correctly, she's saying that, you know, we can identify with people who are in a certain amount of suffering that are having troubles just like us. Oh, our neighbor lost their job. Uh, you know, neighbor's you know, father died, something like that. We can identify with that. That's purely in the natural realm. But when we meet people who are deeply afflicted by the existential and biological and historical problems, right? That they are, that they are burdens with deep suffering. Our pity only goes so far. We start to look at them with disgust. The weakest and poorest among us, those who are most oppressed and most persecuted, often become disgusting to us. Grace goes lower and identifies with those complete outsiders and in that way raises us higher. So gravity is the world we live in and grace are those little moments where the laws of ironclad, eye for an eye, tit for tat, mutually assured destruction somehow breaks free. Like, I don't know, whenever um, the Cuban mission, mi missile crisis or whatever, you have this thing where the gravity is just going towards escalation, escalation, escalation. And I don't know what happened. And what, uh, you know, I should know my history better, but something de-escalated the situation. You know, something enters in that, that, that just momentarily breaks this ironclad law. Uh, and allows for real transformation and real change. So let's see if anybody uh, has any questions or thoughts. There seems to have lots of comments. Um, let's see. Hey, Cam. Cam from Australia. Uh, the hygiene from North Carolina. Oh, uh, Cleary, you were at um, South Bend. Very good. Uh, okay, there's lots of people saying hello and all of that. Not many questions. More, um, more people being nice and saying they're glad to be here. That's nice. Um, oh yeah, Amen, two thousand and three. Yes, is it, that's somebody must be asking what the movie is. So Amen by Costa Gravas, two thousand and three. I don't know if it's on Netflix or anything, um, but it's a it's a beautiful movie. I've kind of told you. A big important part of it but it did come out over 10 years ago so hey you had your chance in the titanic the ship sinks sorry if you didn't watch it I've, I've spoiled it but there you go um okay so any questions or thoughts before i check out uh see oh yeah cam any thoughts on how right-wing populism is a troubling symptom uh you're asking about symptoms and saints and all of that that's a yeah that's a great so cam is asking a question about um the rise of right-wing populism um and uh its connection with some other theories that um i work with but i i don't know if i can get into that here you know what whenever someone says that i don't know if i can get into that here that generally means they've got no really 
good insight to say, but they're too afraid to say it. So I've got lots of insightful things I'd like to say about that, but we, we just don't have time, Cam. I'm really sorry. I, I wish I could uh, amaze you with my wonderful insights. Um, how would you say gravity and grace factor in situations like Orlando, Istanbul, etc.? So that's a question from Sam. So I guess, you know, how does this idea of gravity and grace what what use or what value or what explanatory power does it have in the face of traumas and wars and violence? I mean, that's interesting. Simone Weil, oh my goodness, you will not find a thinker who goes to a more dark place than Simone Weil. It's, it's actually harrowing. Uh, her view of the world was so, so dark. And when you think about it, I mean, Europe has gone through a you know, First World War, it's going into a Second World War. I mean, this is a time when the world is falling to pieces. Uh, there is disruption, there is death, there is murder. Simone Weil uh, has a Jewish background. She's seen her, her own people being killed uh, in, in, a, in a mass scale. You know? So when she writes, it's almost impossible to kind of understand what she's saying because she paints the world so black um, that it almost contradicts your experience of looking out the window and seeing birds singing and you know watching some tv and and having your breakfast right but for Simone Weil there's the truth uh, of the world is, is affliction and it's not just physical affliction although it is physical affliction but affliction for her then goes into just the very nature of existence itself. And she has this very dark theology. She has a, she, she developed basically a type of what's called um, atheistic spirituality or atheistic mysticism, where God's non-existence, God's absence, is the evidence of God being there, that somehow God disappeared in the birth of creation and creation is suffering and affliction because God is not there, because God is kind of what had, God was everything, God's everything in full. So in order for creation to happen, there had to be a contraction of the divine. So creation is the contraction of the divine. It's very fascinating and dark stuff, you know? Um, you could write some great sci-fi uh, novel off the back of it. Now, the reason why I'm saying all that, Sam, is because you know, that, that's where I think her, her ideas of gravity and grace and her ideas of the world really were formed and forged. She, gravity was the world of horror, the world of evil. Even when it doesn't look that bad, I think for uh, Vey, you just scratch a little bit and you will find terrible things. Like in a Tim uh, or a David Lynch movie. I think it was uh, in... Um, uh, Oh, I forget the name of the one. Um, uh, well, there's one which the opening scene is where you see all these gardens and everything's like white picket fences and there's this guy out mowing his lawn and then he has a heart attack, he falls down and then the camera goes in, in, in and you see all these creepy crawlies and this muck and this dirt and this crazy, like, violent world of like death and destruction that's just lying within and beneath the, the perfectly cut grass. And it's kind of like that for Simone Weil. I think even when things look beautiful and wonderful, there is this kind of chaos. In fact, you know, we run our cars because billions of things have died. <laughs> you know, the very fact that oil and so much oil exists is, is, is maybe a metaphor for this in some way.
and and so when Simone Bay talks about grace, she is just talking about those, and she calls them supernatural supernatural moments when someone has gone through suffering and death and and incredible violence has been done against them and somehow they've been able to to offer love or forgiveness or grace something that just that just like it's like a little spark in gravity that can be found that can begin to change things but like these are little sparks little tiny sparks and um, that she thinks are always going on and, and for me what i was talking about at the weekend was the idea that the church is in a sense the place where we cultivate a sensitivity to grace in a world of gravity we cultivate a sensitivity to where grace is happening and we try to be sites of grace and we also try to farm those sparks of grace that are happening elsewhere into into more life and there, you know someone might go well why do you need a community to do that and it's just because we live very naturally in gravity we become very superficial very quickly we uh, enter into this mutually assured destruction this eye for an eye we go through our lives and just you know treat people the way they treat us and we we stop seeing grace and in a sense you know life becomes like a mechanism and so having a community that is designed through stories and music and art and poetry to sensitize you to those acts of grace um you know can can be a, a beautiful thing that can be transformative to society so yeah uh Okay, Austin, would you differ, differentiate between her concept of a grace that goes lower than gravity and the concept of kenosis? So yeah, Austin's asking about kenosis. Kenosis is the, a theological term for self-emptying, this kind of emptying. So whenever I said Simone Weil talks about God contracting in order to make space for the universe, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's like, you know, in order to create nothing, uh, it's like you have to contract. The, you know, um, to make space for something. So there's this contraction of the divine in some kind of esoteric theology. And that's a form of kenosis where, where there's a self-emptying of God. And of course, the big self-emptying is in the theological symbolism and, 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 and writings on you know incarnation. This is the kenotic self-emptying of the divine. Um, so yeah, I, Austin, I, I didn't make the connection you're making between where grace goes deeper, um, where it goes under gravity, where because grace is not something, it's kind of like nothing. That's that's the interesting thing about grace. So it is a form of kenosis. So that's a good connection to make. I think that is, is true to what she's saying, um, and 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 the reason for that is you see gravity when you see the you see the effects of you know all of that the the mechanistic universe all the time, but grace is not so much something that you can grab or see it's this spacing this opening up of new possibilities within this world of gravity so it's like a, a it's kind of like a, a an opening up space that's good um and mary says just in that way kindness can be subversive question mark 
uh, when responding to issues in their daily lives. Yeah, that's it. I mean, for Simone Weil, like grace is incredibly subversive. This is like that's where like something like Hitler and and Stalin and the violence that's done is not subversive at all. In the words of someone like Shizak, he says this violence doesn't change anything. It kills flesh and blood, but it doesn't transform principalities and powers. It keeps the powerful in power. It keeps the weak weak. Uh, it, it doesn't change anything. But the true violent people are people like Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King. These people whose violence is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, whose, whose very acts of grace, grace and kindness rupture the universe, rupture our social worlds, create new possibilities that we couldn't ever imagine. So it's a militancy, it's a militant language, it's a language of like violence, but it's a, it's a violence of grace <laughs> um, rather than, the, rather than the, 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 the impotence of war, which kind of, as I say, keeps the powerful in power and keeps the weak weak, because who has to fight the wars? The weak, the, those who are not educated, those who have not had the same opportunities, you know? Who, who does war benefit? It often benefits the people who are in power, right? Um, so grace is, is, is subversive, fundamentally subversive for, for someone like Simone Weil. Um, okay, well listen, thanks very much for, for tuning in. Um, feel free to share these um, if you think there's somebody who would like this. Uh, also, just to let you know, um, we've got the last week of the Omega course tomorrow. Uh, if you sign up, you will get all the previous talks that I've given, all the previous content. So you can do it anytime you want in your car. You can listen to the audio or you can watch the video um, and you can tune in live. So if you want to join the Omega course, just go on my website, look at my events. You can find it. Uh, sorry, I it um, disconnected there for a second. So you'll be able to find the Omega course. Um, and also, I am doing a lot of traveling in the next few months. So if you're in any of the places that I'm going, I hope uh, we can meet in person and, uh, you know, have a drink. So thanks very much. Talk to you soon.